Hi, this is Ivarian X, and welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME11. You can now access the Candid Frame on your smartphone or tablet. Whether your device runs Apple's iOS, Android, or Windows 8, you can download the free app and the latest episode will appear on your device minutes after it's released. You can also mark your favorites for repeated listening, read the show notes, and if you answer a call, the show will begin just where you left off. Download it for free from your favorite app store or click on the links that you'll find at thecandidframe.com. When I'm having a really good day of shooting, I like to be in this place which I sometimes call the, the zone. It's a sort of state of mind where I'm not so much preoccupied with making a great shot every time I snap the shutter, nor am I worried about the shot that I missed maybe 15 or 20 minutes before. It's really a sensibility of just being in the moment and really enjoying it, seeing the light, seeing the interplay of light and shadow and everything that's happening around me, so that even if I don't come back with a great photograph, I come away with having enjoyed being out making photographs of people, places, and and things. It's just enjoying the process of of seeing. And several years ago, I had the opportunity to interview a photographer, Michael Wood, who introduced me to this principle of song, which is sort of a meditative practice revolving around photography. And it it resonated with me because a lot of the things that he talked about were things that I've been doing for, for years. I recently had the opportunity to revisit this philosophy of photography when I received a copy of the book Effortless Beauty by Julie DeBose. And Julie is a partner with Michael in teaching the Mixong training workshops uh, throughout the United States and, and in Europe. Not everyone had the opportunity to listen to that uh, initial interview because it's been a, been a while now. So I thought this would be a good opportunity to revisit this whole way of thinking about photography because it's not just about the cameras and it's not even sometimes about the image. It's just about sometimes being in the moment and just enjoying the process of seeing. Well, Julie, welcome to The Candid Frame. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and thank you for sending me your book, Effortless Beauty. Well, good to be here. Well, first off, I think uh, it would be good to provide our listeners a, a definition of Mixang. I know we had Micah on the show some years ago, but there are a lot of listeners that, that may not have heard that that episode. So before we get talking, uh, why don't you explain that and so uh, we can set a, a good foundation for our conversation. The word itself means good eye um, in Tibetan, loosely translated. And um, it is specifically refers to um, the quality that we all have, the ability uh, that we all have to uh, have direct um, 
unmediated, unfiltered perceptions of the world as it is, just as part of our makeup. So that's specifically uh, the the um, basis for how it's used in the context of contemplative photography. It's sort of the the foundation of the whole thing, which is that that ability pre-exists in us. It's part of our legacy and our makeup as human beings so that anyone can do this. Uh, And that's very important because this isn't something that you particularly have to struggle to do. It's more like getting things out of the way so that that's just how you see. It's not something that you have to... um, you know, train arduously, uh, follow a lot of rules and so forth. It's, it's more about just generally uncovering the ability to see in a very simple and direct way. You know, when I was reading the book, I was reminded about what I often call sort of being in the zone, where mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going out and I'm shooting and I have no expectations that I'm not fixated about what happened before or what's going to be around the corner. And I think as I was reading the book, I was reminded that in in my own way, getting into that place, which leaves me open to making really good photographs. And as you said, it's it's something that's almost innately part of us, but we burden it with so much baggage and so much mm-hmm. overthinking that we don't actually get to, to see. So... Before you started embracing this this approach to photography, tell us a little about what kind of shooter you were and why this particular approach really sort of literally opened your eyes. Well, that was all very well described there, I have to say. Um, Before I uh, met Michael and before um, I was exposed to his photography, I wasn't a photographer. Um, I was a musician, and I really... I. Uh, immediately connected to what he was doing because I had seen in that way and and I understood that it was just very direct pure uh, it was I wasn't looking at somebody's idea it was clearly very direct and experiential and uh, because we were friends um, at some point I decided to take a class although I wasn't really confident that, you know I wasn't drawn to photography per se I was drawn to the possibility of actually having uh, the the joy of seeing in this way and being able to uh, to photograph it and share it. I think I I am really I'm like second generation in a way. I'm I'm the people who come along to study this who want to share and express their experiences that they're having visually that are you know mind stopping, and yet they don't really know how to make that happen dependably. They just know sometimes it happens and, oh, geez, if I could only express this to somebody like my friend or my family or so that they could see what I saw, because so often, you know, if you don't really know how to do this, uh, what you see just isn't what comes through in the photograph. So I think for me, I realized that there was actually a way to do this, and that was uh, very natural and sort of I didn't have to build myself up uh, to uh, to be something that I didn't feel that I was. I just felt that I'm a, I'm a natural person and I have natural experiences just like everyone else. But gosh, isn't it great when we can actually communicate in a really genuine, open heart way 
the marvelous experiences that we have in our everyday life. And I think that's what pulled me in because I've been a meditator for a long time and I'm not really interested in, in uh, for me, and I'm just, this is just me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in expressing uh, the experiences when uh, it feels like something so much, so kind of... Uh, meaningful in my life, sort of beyond what I can make up or imagine or uh, create out of, out of space. I would much rather just express my experience of uh, perception. That, to me, is what's so really fabulous. Did you find that it was a, an easy sensibility to embrace because of your experiences as a musician? Did it seemed to sort of be synchronous with that that being in the moment of playing a piece of music and, oh, yes. and now working with a camera. And you described that so well, being in the zone. I think everyone, and, I, and actually that's why in my book I talk about the process of writing songs because it's so, so similar. Uh, and I think a lot of artists have written me and said that my book really speaks to the creation of of uh, art where you get out of the way. You basically just pull everything into the present moment and then you just rest there in stillness. And you know your craft and you're completely there and you're just receptive. And then something starts to come through. It's almost like a whiff on the wind. It could be a sound or a melody. And in this case, it could be something that manifests out of nowhere in your visual field and comes forward to meet you. So it's this, it's this tremendous kind of graceful encounter with whatever it is that you're doing. And so with music, I think most musicians who write music talk about the fact that they don't feel like the songs that they write necessarily come from them, but it's, it's kind of a, it, it, they come through. You just open up and it comes through. And so there's this sense of, of, of grace. And I think when you see in this way and you photograph in this way, you're actually expressing the experience of this uh, graceful moment of meeting um, that is much bigger than um, my limited view of what a moment can be. It's beyond that. Yeah, and I really appreciated that idea that you, that you have about letting go of expectations and and I, I you know I, I saw that as being going out with particular subject matter in mind and that that sort of creates a, a very a, a sort of tunnel vision that leaves you so focused on on one particular thing that you lose any awareness of the potential of all the other elements in that are around you in the scene. Because when I take a look at your photographs, I love there's a consistency about them in terms of the way you see. And that's not something that I see in a lot of photo books. There are a lot of sort of like kid and misses where images are, are meant to be illustrative of some sort of technique in some point. But I like the fact that there was a uniformity to, to the vision in all of these photographs and, and especially the fact that they were of the most ordinary ordinary things and I just thought that that was really marvelous. Oh, well, thank you very much. I, I think that is what they share in common is that uh, there was a moment and I was paying attention. Uh, things coalesced and I, my heart and my, you know, a lot of it 
is heart. You know, you start to feel your body and your blood come together with your mind and your eye, and it and it's it's a passion for uh, things coming together and meeting you, and you recognize it right when it happens, and you know, and you know that that's something that you want to express, and it can happen any time. Oh, it's you know what you were saying about expectation. The wonderful thing about this uh, confluence of of a digital availability and how easy it is to use and how easy it is to to pack a small camera is that when you're not really looking for anything particular, but your mind has been trained to see, then these perceptions come in at odd angles and they stop your mind and stop what you're thinking about or whatever. They interrupt it and then suddenly you see. And that's definitely beyond expectation. And those are the really great moments because you know how, you know it's fresh because it came out of nowhere. And then other times you'll go out and you, maybe you do have a subtle expectation like, uh, this morning, for instance, I went for a walk around a beautiful lake. And it was very still and, you know, and it was a really nice, really nice event altogether. And I was very relaxed and I was looking at the crystal, uh, completely still surface of the water. And, you know, who's not going to love that? It's so beautiful. I was taking pictures of it, but, and enjoying it thoroughly and expressing my experience. But the, the expectation I had was very subtle. And when when you have this as a practice that you do, and I think people who love to photograph and, and really have integrated seeing into their life um, can appreciate what I'm saying is, is that what we, what we shoot is such a reflection of the subtle uh, sort of predispositions that we have as people who take, you know, we've all seen so many images that we loved of other people's and that we've seen before and there's a little bit of a expectation of lineup that that might occur. And it could be very subtle, even when we're trying to be fresh. Uh, and it, it, those expectations absolutely limit what we see. And sometimes it's on a, uh, you know, not so subtle. And sometimes it's very subtle, but there is a limitation that's set up. And boy, you sure see it pretty fast. So how do you, how have you found ways that, that have helped you do that? Because we're all human. We all constantly are dealing with expectations and judgments about mm-hmm. what we see and their and their value as a as a photograph or, or not. How do you when you get out there? You know, because I think a lot of people go out there with a very limited time to to shoot. You know, most people aren't shooting all the time, so they're really hopeful that they're able to get out there and come back with a couple of good photographs. And as a result, there's a lot of thinking that starts happening, which sometimes, as you said, sort of gets in the way of seeing. So how how do people get into that, get into that space where they're open to everything that's around them in that way? It's very important to start at the beginning, no matter what you're doing, if you're going to do it properly, you, you can't, uh, you can't anticipate how freshness will occur. That's that's this forethought thing. You set up, you set up something, and you expect freshness to come through it, and you're just like shooting yourself in the foot. So 
you always have to be aware of your state of mind. You always have to start at the beginning, which is we have exercises in Mixong training uh, where you really, you, you just do these exercises before you start and, and it, it gets you back to ground zero, which is where there is only openness. You know, the first thing that you project out is space. It's not your idea of what you're going to see or idea of what you want to see or what you want it to look like. It may not look like anything you've ever seen before. It could be something totally new, and it's certainly going to be beyond any expectation if you start this way. And then if as you're doing that, so you do the exercise and you sort of get your mind open and still and relaxed and you feel yourself in your body, um, you feel your body sensations, you're on this planet, so you're not just in your head, which, you know, once you get into all your ideas about everything, you're not feeling where you are anymore. And and the visual sensation is mixed. It's not just a eye thing. It's a full body thing, particularly if you're shooting with your heart engaged. It's a, it's a, it's a whole thing, full-bodied, full-bodied uh, experience of visual perception. So that's what you want to work for. And this is a practice. It takes work. So you have to pay attention. And when you slip away or you get caught in your thoughts, you notice it. And you just come gently come back to being where you are in your body, you know, with your intention to see. And that is much more important than the photograph. If you go out thinking, I've got this much time and I really want to take the opportunity to shoot some nice photographs, you know, you got to work. You got the whole tide of your day's activities of flowing against, you know, coming up against uh, the the desire to be open and available. So you've set up the struggle right off the beginning. The first thing is is to work with your mind so that you're open and available. Without that, you're not going to see anything fresh. So that's what you got to do. Got to keep coming back. So it's a practice. It's, it's a mindfulness practice, really. And then at some point, you start because you do this for a while and you get better at it as you go along. You start to actually get to that place much more quickly, depending upon, of course, what's going on in your life and so forth. But then you see that, and, you, and it actually becomes extremely relaxing. Just the process of letting go. Letting go, letting go. And in my book, I, I spend a lot of time talking about letting go. You notice you're holding on to something. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. You just let go. And when you do, then you start to be able to actually see without this in the way. And, you know, you, you get out of the way in the sense that you just kind of empty out. You let go of all your preoccupations. And then you actually start to be able to notice the world. If you don't do that... So it's a practice. And yeah, every time you go out, it's different. Sometimes it's harder than others. Sometimes you're just right there. And who knows why that is and who cares? You know, you just do the same thing you do every time. You just cultivate this kind of mind of openness and receptivity. And and you're there. You can do it. And it, it sometimes seems that the biggest obstacle in the way of getting there is the very thing you're using to make the pictures, the camera. The, the, the preoccupation with the, the settings, with the buttons, with the display, completely takes you out of that, that, that moment. So what's your advice to someone who constantly finds themselves sort of being more focused on the camera than what they're seeing? Well, there's lots of reasons that we can't be in the moment. That just happens to be one possibility that we can use. 
Um, and, you know, I've worked with a lot of students and uh, especially people who are not, you know, they don't consider themselves photographers, but they, they do want to be able to have, uh, express, be able to express their perceptions. But you all, what you have to do is you have to organize it. And, and, uh, that's one really great thing that I think has been refined in our, in our uh, mixed training curriculum. There's really three parts. And, they can all happen at once, but especially when you're working out this uh, ability to do this. First, you have a fresh perception. You can't have a fresh perception if you're already thinking about how you're going to take a perception with your camera when you have it. That's a forethought. It's just a thought. So you have to recognize that's just another thought. Your preoccupation with your insecurity about your camera is another thought. I've seen students who have great perceptions, but they, they, they habitually undermine themselves by worrying about their camera technique. So in the beginning, we start out really simple, just point and shoot. It's all about just actually recognizing when you've had a fresh perception. And then once you've done that and you've really understood it, you know, you look at it, you stop and you look at it and understand what it is, where it starts and ends in a very simple way, not conceptually. Once you opt out of the experience of direct perception into your conceptual mind, you're not seeing. You can't see and think at the same time. You, you can't really see directly and freshly because once that thinking process comes in, it separates you from the experience. So you have to recognize this and keep coming back and stay with the perception, understand exactly where the depth of field, what the depth of field is um, and uh, what's, what's sharp and what's not, vertical, horizontal, those very simple things. You don't want to put things in the photographs that are not part of the perception. So you need to understand what's in, what's out. So you, you do that. You just stand there and you look. And then when you've done that and you understand it and if you feel like you want to express it, at that point only do you start considering the technical, you know, the very simple technical aspects of how to have a good expression, you know, you know, exposure, depth of field, and, and point of focus. Those things only then, you haven't even picked up your camera. This is one good way we keep people from fixating on their camera. You don't even pick your cam- bring your camera up to your eye until... You've had the perception, you've recognized it, you understand it, and at that point, on only that point, do you bring up the camera to your eye. And, and that way, it's very clear that the camera's not in the way. The camera is the instrument for the expression. And then it doesn't become sort of uh, an obstacle. The only reason it's ever an obstacle is because it's an idea we have that it's an obstacle. Because actually, it's only... It's, it's a tool, it's a medium, it's, that's all it is, for the direct perception. And then that's, not, that, that's because this is perception-based photography. People who want to start out with an idea of what they want to see and what they want to shoot are probably going to be looking through their camera. But we're not doing that. We're actually having an experience of perception and then expressing it with a camera. Yeah, I like that idea of just just slowing down because that's mm. that's something I see with a lot of photographers. There's they're in such a rush, they they find something that holds their interest. They make a couple of snaps and they move on, and they've not really seen what was in front of them. They just reacted to something, made a snap, but not didn't really sort of take it in. Because one of the things that I, I really stress with the people that I, that I teach is. 
slow down and linger there. Oh, good. Yeah. And just and just take it in because that first shot is probably not going to be your best shot. And 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 you really sort of have to exhaust the possibilities because sometimes the best shot isn't obvious to you. Well, I think what I would say to that, and I understand where you're coming from, but even the word best is, is, is loaded with various connotations depending on what your point of view is. It, once you sort of get beyond, what I would say is in Mixong, we actually try to take one picture. We don't even push the shutter until we know exactly what our perception is, and we're not trying to make it any better than it was when we saw it. It's like there's a, it's almost like we, we sealed it because we understood that we had our fresh perception and we did stop and we did linger and we did take it in and we did understand what it was. There's no doubt in our mind exactly what we saw and we only photograph that, nothing else. And, and no ideas about the picture have interfered with the communication uh, and the transmission of the experience of seeing that, there's nothing that's gotten in the way. So the image, actually, it's like uh, it's been sealed with that great, you know, plastic, glad plastic cling wrap or mm-hmm. whatever. There's no air that got in it. And in this case, there's no conceptual leakage. So when you look through at that image, if I did it in this way and I did it successfully, the final image will have all of the energy and presence of my mind as it experienced that perception visually from the first moment. There's a continuity of freshness that runs through every stage. Even when we're editing and we, the image comes up, we don't think, how can I make this better? We always remember what we saw when we first saw it, and that would be the tonalities, the subtleties of hue, how deep were the shadows, and we only use editing to bring it exactly to what we saw. So then we're actually communicating not our idea of what our experience was, but the actual experience itself. For a very long time, I procrastinated about creating a website, and I had a lot of excuses. Uh, I wanted to use WordPress, but I looked at all the stuff that I had to learn and felt like, well, I don't have the time for it, or I don't know anything about HTML coding, or if I looked at another service, I didn't like the look of their the templates and the limitations that I felt that they, they imposed on me. So even though I really wanted a website, it would never get done. And then I finally sat down and tried Squarespace and I was amazed at how fast and easy it was for me to put up a website and to finally get it done. And there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to find out for yourself how easy it is because they make it so simple using this drag and drop interface that allows you to bring in text, imagery, illustrations, and within minutes, you can have a completed website that looks amazing. And many of these templates have these beautiful full bleed image displays that will actually dominate the screen whenever you launch the website and you take a look at it. The images just look beautiful, but the most important part about this is that they are so customizable. You don't have to be simply locked into one look that everybody else shares. You can customize the fonts, the colors, the sizes, virtually everything you would want to control on your website, you have it right there at your disposal. But find out for yourself. Start a free trial and no credit card is required. Just start building your website today. 
When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME11 and get 10% off and to show your support for the show. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. But how, how do you contend with the fact that once you bring the camera to your eye, that confining that scene to that to that frame changes it in some way, as much as the you know the the choice of lens, uh, the choice of aperture, how close or how far you are from your subject, and how that impacts depth of field. How do those qualities that are innately part of the photographic process sort of jive with what you're saying in terms of how people have perceived that particular scene, that subject, or that moment? Well, you have to really understand what you saw. So, you know, and and sometimes what lens you have, you may not be able to express it, and then you just walk away. You don't try to uh, make the perception fit what you have. If it doesn't fit, walk away. That's what we say. Why, why bother? We, you, you, when you look at it, you do know, you do know what the quality of the light is because you take it in and you remember it. You, you, and, and all you're using when, when we talk about the process of photography for us, it's not that it's a, it's a, it, we're finding the settings on the camera that we have that will allow us to exactly express visually what we're seeing. And it doesn't change the image. The image does, if we can't photograph what we've seen, and sometimes you can't, just walk away. There's no point. There's, we say there's limitless perceptions. So you don't have to struggle to make something fit when it doesn't. You just, it doesn't matter. Just, you'll see something in five seconds that you like probably just as well. What do you find when you're teaching students is probably the more common obstacle to them being open to this, to this way of seeing? Attachment to taking a good photograph. And I think that, uh, I think a lot of people think that uh, they know because they see the photographs of students that we have that take, that, that work on this practice. They know that, and they see uh, Michael's in my photographs and they say, wow, I see like that sometimes. This is really in my heart of hearts. This is the way I want to photograph. But they also have, you know, they may have two or three different galleries on their website and, and uh, they're shooting some of this and then the rest of it is more, uh, you know, familiar in the photography world. And, uh, and it's classified by subjects. It's, it's more, you know, standard, fair. And so they come and they take this and it's all about whether or not they're willing to let go of their idea of what they want their photograph to look. And I guess this can get very subtle. So ultimately, we're, we're sharing our images, and there's a tremendous sense of pleasure and satisfaction when everyone likes our photos. And when they don't, it, they, we feel, you know, kind of bad. And that, that sort of is a, is a hard one because at some point, in order to see freshly, as you sort of move through and get more confidence and you start to see more and more, and it's almost like layers of... of uh, of filters are peeling away and you're seeing things you don't recognize, it takes courage to photograph something that you know is fresh, but you, you have no idea if anyone's going to like it or not. You actually have to let go of all of that and just shoot what you see and then, and, and what stops you, not just what you see, but, but the things that really kind of come in 
and you and you just go and you just do it. You just give up all uh, concern about whether or not you're going to be the most liked photographer, because ultimately that binds you to what's familiar, and you don't grow. You don't expand your your uh, uh, what's the word when your uh, palette of experience. Um, you know, there's there's things out there we've never seen. We just don't know how to see them because we limit ourselves by what we believe is our uh, a range of what is available to be seen. And it's just completely, you know, it's, you know, the blind leading the blind. And that's not, you know, if you look at any anyone who has gone beyond the conventional norms of accepted of accepted artistic expression they have really you know i'll just throw out maybe the like uh the impressionists for instance i mean they were ridiculed and what they did was so different they just really started looking at what they were actually seeing and how they were seeing and you know and and these things are uh, unfamiliar, and then and people start to get onto it. And the great thing about this practice is that everyone can do it. You know, t- to whatever degree they allow themselves, it's in, anyone can do this. It's it's not just for a special few who are born to see. It's not like that at all. It's it's uh, and what you see, what everyone sees, is absolutely unique to them. It's it's uh, it, it's just crazy, you know, what comes up and what we're drawn to, you know, fundamentally, not just our ideas, but, you know, our sort of our basic nature is pulled in certain ways to see different things, to connect with certain things. And, and it's so wonderful to to see each other's images and the intimacy of their uh, experience of their world. I like what you, what you just said a moment ago about each of us giving ourselves permission to explore and mm-hmm. see in that particular way. Because I think a lot of the time we don't give ourselves permission. Um, I get, I get this question asked fairly frequently when people, when I look at people's work is, do you think I have any talent? And, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of that has to do with, with people's judgment of themselves and, and their work and, and worrying about other people's opinions about it. But, exactly. but, but when I see, but almost without exception, I often see at least one, a couple of pictures that someone makes where I go, wow, this is a wonderful photograph. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. and it makes me think less that this person has more or less talent, but for some reason they were able to access that part of themselves that not only allowed them to recognize that moment, but to use the camera to capture it in that, in that, in that way where, Whatever they experienced, they were able to express in the photograph. Mm-hmm. And, and I think and, your book yeah. speaks to this whole idea is that get away, get rid of all that clutter in terms of expectations, in terms of judgments, in terms of what's good and bad, and just be in the moment and allow that to come through your camera so that you can make these images more consistently. Because if you're able to make one or two or three shots every once in a while, you innately are able to do it, but there's something that's standing in the way of you being able to do that in a way that's that's consistent. So true. And the more you do it, the more consistent you get. So, so when it comes to the editing process, that's always a, a at that point you're you're supposed to start in, including judgment, 
you know, in terms of what works and what doesn't work. So we've been talking about the process of actually making the photographs. How does this approach to Mixong change or is adopted when you sit there and you're looking through all the images and you're trying to make your your selects? Because not all the photographs are going to be as on point in terms of expressing your experience as opposed to others. I think I have a title to... Uh what do I, I'm, I'm not sure. I did a blog called this. Anyway, editing is a reflection of your state of mind. Uh, the, in, in Mixong, we say that image feeling is a practice. Oh, here it is. Editing is a reflection of our state of mind. There isn't a, any point in this when we are um, not able to uh, reconnect in the same just as, like, okay, let me back up. The image that you take that expresses your experience, you load it into your editing program and you're looking at it and it comes up on the screen. If it's a successful expression of your experience of seeing, the moment you see it, you will experience it all over again. It's not not there. You don't have to edit it to make it any different. It's because you you expressed exactly what you saw, and you didn't deviate from what you saw. When it comes up on your computer, it's still there. And there's no amount of editing that's going to take an image that doesn't have freshness and turn it into something fresh. So the litmus test is, when it comes up, is it fresh or not? And it's not so easy always to tell, but it's a it's an experience that once again stops your mind and fills you with the sense of of that visual experience. And whenever when everyone's looking at your images, they have the same experience too. It's hard to imagine that this can happen, but it does. And people are just blown away by it. It's like magic or something. So when it comes up on the screen and you and you determine that yes. This has all the freshness of my original experience. At that point, it's not a conceptual process. It's just like what we were asking when we got stopped. What's in, what's out? Is it vertical? Is it horizontal? In the same way, we look at it and we feel it. And does this have the same feeling tone? In other words, is it too light? Was it darker? Were the shadows darker? Um, was this, is this the right amount of, uh, of color? Is the color too washed out? Is it too dark and almost so you know with with the digital medium you have to sometimes make adjustments to bring things to what you saw and uh and so you do and when you're done what's there in your editing program it should be an exact expression of what you saw perhaps just even more accurate than uh before you made your tweaks like bringing in levels and uh adding a little bit of sharp little definition um, you know, maybe a little bit of contrast, just tweaking. You're not really, you're not changing anything to make it better. You're actually just bringing it to what you saw. But how about when you're going and you're making choices? Say, for example, you're putting together a, a portfolio or a new web gallery on your site. When you're looking through maybe a hundred pictures and you're trying to pick 20, how does this approach <clears throat> um, allow you to sort of define that vision for that particular collection of photographs. So this would be like, this is not a theme-based gallery. This is just you want to put up what you feel are strong images right, exactly. uh, for people to see. Well, you know, hopefully, uh, if you've done your editing well, you don't have a, a bunch of images in your, uh, in your, uh, on your computer that 
are not fresh. You've already added to the mat. You don't, you don't just save stuff because you're not sure. If you're not sure, you delete. So what you've got left there is what at the time that you understood and felt and experienced were fresh experiences and expressions of those experiences. So as time goes on, you may come back and say, mm, you know, as you get more confident and you do this longer, you may go back and say, uh, maybe not as much as I thought at the time. But, you know, it's a process. So what you've got on your computer is whatever you, at that time, you feel is fresh, you, you, that you understand is fresh and you experience it that way. And, and so any of those you could pick. And I think uh, you can go on, uh, you know, who's the audience, what is the conversation going to be. Is it just you want a sample of your work and you put it up there? Just put up the, put up the images that you resonate with the most. This resonation thing, especially as you, as you do this more, because we don't use concepts as our reference points, you sort of start to have to develop the ability to recognize uh, your own sort of innate responses to images, you know, and that generally involves, you know, you actually feel something, you know, something arises in you and you feel drawn or pulled to something and you just really, really connect with it. And over time, maybe some images you'll connect with more and some you will, you know, for different reasons, but you just put up what you feel is a strong expression of your, uh, what you, what you saw. You've been in, in this practice for for a while now, so how have you seen your photographs change as you've been practicing this approach year year after year? What do you see reflected in your own photographs? Well, I, I think I, I, one of the things that I I, I find is is uh, consistent is that I don't second guess myself. If I and you know I may not care about an image later on and I I may delete it but I if I feel uh, stopped by something and I feel connected with it I shoot it and I think uh, and, and it could be very ordinary but I just do and it's interesting because people will say oh, wow you know I really connected with these flowers in the sink uh, if they felt so direct I don't I don't think. So it's a real natural thing, and I think more and more as time has gone on, uh, I don't, I'm not editing myself very much. I just, in a sense of, you know, the watching mind saying, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, uh, you know. I, don't, I don't hesitate. If, I, if I'm not sure, I don't shoot it. And I decide pretty fast because I've done this for such a long time. It's not my process is generally uh, very confident, and I and I don't uh, get caught up in indecision or, or struggling with myself. I just don't. I don't. I don't need to. I've seen it all a million times, and I kind of know all my various little potholes, and I just don't go there. You know, I just don't, I don't really care. I think that part of it is I'm not struggling with myself. I'm having a good time. I'm expressing my experience of my world and hopefully, you know, uh, somebody will see it and get some pleasure out of it. And uh, I can have a genuine experience of my world and that means a lot. While I was reading your book, I was very aware of where my head was at when I was making photographs. And I was shooting 
recently and I could feel the anxiety and sort of the tension in my body because I was limited in time. I was meeting with some other people and I just didn't feel really calm or present. And then one day I was locked here in the, in the office and I knew I wasn't going to get out to make any photographs. And I just finished a, a chapter and I just said, well, let me see what I could find around the house. And, yeah, and good I just, for you. And I just started walking around the house, making photographs of, of the most mundane, ordinary things. And I just felt how differently I, I had felt as compared to that other day when I was out in the city. And there was a, a calmness. There was a, a presence. There was I was making pictures of stuff that under ordinary circumstances I would make photographs of. And I was like, and it was like, wow, it's such a huge difference. But it was just, so again, different. my state of mind. So Usually when I get in that place, if I'm like downtown, I'll just stop shooting. I'll sit somewhere and get a cup of coffee and I'll just look as people walking up down the street or looking at the light. And that's kind of the way that I pull myself out of that, that ball of anxiety and judgment and, and, and tension. But what, what are some of the suggestions that you have for people when they're out in the field photographing and they find themselves in that, in that place where their own thinking is obstructing their ability to see. Well, it it somewhat depends upon what they if they can if they if they notice that it's obstructing uh, their thinking is obstructing their ability to see. That's very good. You know, you're halfway there already just because you notice, and so then you realize probably you need to relax because you can't see when you're hunting. It's just not going to happen. Mm. Uh, it's it's like you, it's a, it's kind of a subtle form of aggression. I'm going to get something, and I'm going to put it in my camera, and I'm going to take it home, and I'm, I'm going to show it around. You know, boy, we've all done that, and uh, we can we've all been excited by a visual feast that comes along, and realize that we actually weren't seeing anything. We were just trying to take it all home. So I think what you said about sitting down is really great, and just uh, just just letting go of the uh, agenda. And uh, once you do that, generally, and that means bringing your mind into the present moment and feeling your body and just enjoying things and sort of letting them go by. And once you do that, it's interesting how at some point your mind actually locks onto something. It just is magnetized by something. And you've had a perception. You just notice that suddenly something's coming through and it's so vivid and and penetrating and and you realize, you know, then you have to ask yourself, do am I ready to get up off this bench <laughs> or not? Well, my last question that I ask each guest is that I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Ah, you know, I'm just, Michael Wood is absolutely the person you should talk to about this. He's like, to me, he's the greatest. But of course, I would say that. But he, his work is always evolving. It's always fresh. It changes as he changes. And it's just so um, uh, 100% genuine and never deviates. And I really don't know personally of anyone else like him. Oh, he's my, he's my sort of my um, inspiration. 
So So I'm sorry. I I know there's a lot of great photographers out there, but consistently, um, I think it's because I'm so attuned to this kind of seeing. This is what I love. This is what really turns my crank. And I, I'm just, I feel really grateful that I have the opportunity to be present and see his journey. It's just very inspiring. And where can people go to find out more about you and, and Mixong? Uh, Mixong.com. It's M-I-K-S-A-N-G.com. And uh, you can get information about my book there and blogs and upcoming courses. And uh, there's also a Facebook page, uh, the Mixong Institute for Contemplative Photography, which is an institute uh, here in Boulder, Colorado. And we have uh, courses that we teach all during the year. And in the summer, we have an intensive that's uh, a month long. You can come and plant yourself and go through a number of courses and really, really get get deep go deep with this great well julie thank you so much for your time i really enjoyed having a chance to talk to you thank you so much and it's really been a pleasure as we continue to grow the show and expand our offerings here at the candid frame your support is invaluable and you can show that support in a variety of different ways You can make small donations using PayPal, a link for that you'll find at the CandidFrame.com website, where donations of $5, $10, $20, or even more are greatly appreciated and go a long way to helping us improve the show. You can also post reviews on the iTunes web store, which help our rankings and create more awareness about the great program that we offer here. The show's editor is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. Till next time, this is Ibarian X. Perello, and this is The Candid Frame.